You are listening to episode 14, George Floyd. I'm Diana Elliott, and I'm a freelance writer from Melbourne, Australia. And I'm Donald Betts. I'm a former U.S. state senator from Kansas. We talk about hot topics relevant to Americans and Australians. What makes us different and what makes us similar? It's not the place, but a state of mind. Greenland. Hey, Donald. Hey, Diana. How are you? Oh, I feel quite, oh, I don't know. I actually feel quite upset by this whole thing. But, I mean, it's got nothing on what you must be feeling. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit disturbed on edge and mm. I'm worried. I'm deeply worried. I know I mentioned before, and we, I think we kind of cut it out on a previous episode, and I talked about a revolution. Mm. And this is what I meant. Because growing up, Black in America, you could always feel it. You, you could always feel that something was going to happen. Something big was going to happen. And my first experience of that was in 1992 during the Rodney King riots. Although it happened in Los Angeles, there were fires. My apartment complex, uh, the office at my apartment complex was set on fire in Las Vegas. So as a result of what happened in L.A., it transferred over to Nevada and Denver and it started hitting other cities because people were just upset and angry about police brutality in America. And that was in 1992. And now we're in 2020 when we have video. Everyone has a a video camera uh, on their on their smart device although it was videoed this time this has been a common occurrence in america an institution where this behavior is okay and Mm -hmm. no matter the cries the marches the kneeling the the nonviolent protests the pleas for help Uh, to government officials and congressmen and governors and representatives, nothing ever seemed to be done about it. And as I turn on the television, which is very hard to do now, because I see hopelessness and anger and pain on the back of the COVID pandemic, where people have lost their jobs, where Death has become normalized with over 100,000 deaths due to COVID-19. And hopelessness is just rotting in America. And then when you Mm. sit down and you watch George Floyd's life being taken after concerned citizens on the sideline are pleading with this officer to get his knee off of Mr. Floyd's neck while he has his hands in his pockets and staring down the eye of the camera as if his heart didn't have an ounce of compassion. You watch this pleading man who pleaded for his life, explaining to the officers that he could not breathe. And then what hit me, Diana, most was when he called for his mother. Mm. A 46-year-old man calling for his mother. And she's dead. 
She could not do anything. So his last hope when bystanders were standing and watching, still despair. Oh, it was, it was, I mean, it doesn't even warrant saying how disturbing that is. And as you say, what, what it just seems to be, oh, you know, the wheeling out of the, the usual sort of cycle of these things that, oh, you know, justice will be served. And, and what I couldn't believe was that the police initially the prosecutors were sort of like, oh, there's no Castanza here. He just, you know, had some pre-existing problem that predisposed him to die. And then it was only through the agitation, that was my understanding, that they then saw fit to actually charge this officer who's apparently had quite a rap sheet in misconduct cases before. But, yeah, I just, I was watching on, I mean, the irony was that you and I were supposed to have an episode dedicated to talking about Arnold yeah. Avery. And we're going to discuss that in the context of the wider issue about the racial problem in America. And then it sort of got skewed because all this happened with George Floyd and the Amy Cooper, you know, the lady in Central Park that was basically making a fictitious call to the police to say that a black man who quite legitimately asked her to leash her dog in a leashed dog area he was filming that too and she was very confident in her assertion to the police that and to him i'm going to basically tell tell them that you are attacking me or that you're threatening me and i think these things all it's all just the joining of the dots of it is just astounding to me and and i mean i find it very hard to talk about in some respects, because I think, well, you know, I mean, you live this, you have lived this all your life. Mm-hmm. And I was just watching a, a video from, do you know Killer Mike, the rapper? Yeah, yeah, rapper. Killer Mark. I know, Kill, uh, I know Killer Mike. He comes from yeah, a history he, of civil rights activists. And, uh, yes. Yes. And, and he was doing a talk, um, like a speech, I think, in Atlanta, yeah. where he's from, and where there were thing going on and he was it was amazing i mean he was very emotional but he was pretty much pleading with people to don't burn the house down organize all those things that we spoke with kevin miles about in terms of how to how to fight for civil rights but in a way that isn't literally burning the place down but the anger i can understand the anger i feel angry i actually feel angry and i mean i don't it just I, i can't I can't abide watching that footage. It just, it's not the first time that we've seen a black man be treated that way by police and ending a fatal outcome. And the first time I think I saw it was, you know, you see it now so regularly, but I think just the audaciousness of this police officer, you couldn't even say, oh, maybe he didn't realise that this man was in trouble or that if, if you gave him the biggest degree of understanding of what, what might have been going through his head, but he was blatantly, as you said, looking down the barrel of somebody filming him and he knew exactly what he was doing. With his and hands it was murder. I mean, I don't think you can call it any other thing but murder. And he had his hands in his yeah. pockets, Diana. And just waiting. It was waiting. Just like waiting yeah. for him to die. It was like demonic. I mean, I could not yeah. believe it. Yeah, it was. And see, the thing, mm. I understand Killer Mike. I understand where Killer Mike is coming from. But activists uh, like Killer Mike and, and Kevin Miles, and they understand. Trust me, they do. But you're dealing with the 
grandchildren and great grandchildren of the civil rights movement and they have heard the stories of the peaceful sit-ins and letting people just pound on you and shoot you with uh water hoses and all of that these kids are not their grandkids are not their grandparents they do not care about life after what have they've seen and what they continue to see on social media. The internet has has made murder normal with video games and the, the, the movies. These kids feel indispensable. They feel like superheroes, but uh, most of all, they are willing to die for theirs, but they have a mentality that they're going to take someone out along with them. So if governments don't act with expediency, we're really going to see innocent blood flow through the streets, which is which is it's unimaginable. But it's happening. It's happening. It's happening right now. And I often say I am really blessed to be here in this country, in Australia. My wife was telling me a story the other day where uh, there was a taillight in her uh, in our vehicle that was out. And she and the children were coming back from home uh, from a from a visit over a friend's house. And the police officer pulled her over, and from a distance, he yelled. He said, ma'am, is it okay that I approach your vehicle? I don't want to alarm you. I just, Mm. I want to make sure that you're okay. You have a taillight out in the back of your vehicle. And he made, she told me he made her feel so comfortable. There was no fear. There Mm. was no sense of angst and anxiety. He appropriately did her job and he said you have two children in the car ma'am go home Uh, get that fixed tomorrow just wanted to let you know yeah and that type of behavior from from an officer can be honored however yes in america crime is is high and and officers are are often faced with with major challenges understandable you know they their their life is at risk every single day but there is a way to deal with people with compassion and the, and and understanding the the uh, the principle of preservation of life and that lack of compassion and the use of excessive force is going beyond the scope of law and that's what is happening in America today these young people yeah. they're not their grandparents <laughs> i assure you that mm. And, and I mean, I think it's right. It's it's sort of I, I I can sympathize with them because I feel as though they have been let down by by the, the authorities. And, and how can you have any faith in the justice system when this is not just a one-off occurrence where, wow, oh, isn't that terrible and that officer's just a bad egg? I mean, it's systemic and it's at, it seems to be at all levels, this, this inequality that we've talked a lot about throughout our show it's just sort of popped up in different ways voter voter suppression like at every layer of society there's sort of like the lid being popped on these people and as you said at the start when you've got a pandemic and you've got people with unemployment and they've got they've got nothing to lose now there's and it's it's quite it's just i mean it's heartbreaking really i mean even clearly that they've got trigger happy cops over there in minneapolis because even the an Australian woman, you know, she was in her pajamas, yes. talk, you know, ring nine one one to say, oh, I think there's, you know, somebody. It sounds like they've been sexually assaulted in the laneway near her house, and yes. and she got fatally shot. Yeah, you know, like approaching an 
Opka, can you not distinguish between a, an unarmed female and somebody who's presenting a threat? And so in I do think it's a different scenario. In, in Minneapolis. Minneapolis, yeah, she died. And, and he was char- – I mean, that officer was was charged and convicted. And I hope that – I mean, this is even a more open and shut case than that one was. This is literally, you know, oh, I just – you know. But as – you sort of wonder, okay, there's the, – the, finally, if they, if they charge those officers – and they and they're convicted. Then what? You know, then it's going to be the next one that happens because there just seems to be this cultural problem. And in that case, uh, just to, just to go back to that case, there wasn't any video. It was just no. it was just you know you know there was a call. The officers, they, the officers, mm. they did the they did the research. There was no video, and this officer, they took no time. This is why it's two justice systems in America. This officer, uh, I believe he was from a Somali background, and the lady that was shot down and 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 murdered was a white Australian woman, and the justice was pretty swift. I mean, not only that, but the Australian government would not let up. You know, Australia. One thing about Australia, mm-hmm. it protects its citizens uh, on mm-hmm. on on land or abroad. Australia comes after it comes after theirs. Uh, every life is important. And in this case, this officer, pretty swiftly, things kind of took its course. But in George Floyd's case, there was v- Diana. You saw the video. I mean, there was video. Yeah. And I can't believe that they did not. I did, like, they, that's, oh, there's not enough evidence to suggest that he would. It's like, what? Like, what? How can that even be possibly even conceivably something that would be said? And and that's where I think the anger rises. It, it rises in me, and I'm um, you know I'm sort of thirty million times removed geographically, and but I, I think anyone can spot injustice, and, and injustice should rile all of us, even if it's not directly impacting us. I think the thing that I feel most is what what can we do, Donald? What can we what can we all do to sort of help? Well, I think from here, what we're doing now on Greenland, we're talking about it. And uh, what is reassuring, I believe, when white America is starting to step out and you see a lot of white Americans out there protesting, angry, furious, because they're tired of this. And they're saying, you know what, these friends, a lot of these friends, these African-Americans, I consider my brothers, my fellow American citizens. The old ways are old. They're outdated. Enough is enough. Now you're killing my brothers and you're killing my sisters. It's time to stop this. And when you see white Americans standing up, that is reassuring. That That's a first step to say, you know what? They're not having it. We're not having it. We're all in this together. You know, like COVID-19, yeah. this and Don Lemon mentioned on CNN that uh, America is suffering two pandemics, one COVID-19 and the other being racism. And when you see your fellow brothers and sisters, your white American brothers and sisters standing up and not tolerating this, it gives you a sense of calm that potentially this just may be okay. You know, it may, we, we may be able to get through this by get, implementing some policies and, and really pushing forth the agenda. But, you know, there were white Americans that were standing during the civil rights movement. And yet we did get a lot 
a lot things a, a lot accomplished but this is a little bit more serious when you're having over two three hundred african-american men attacked and murdered by the the hands of police and then as of recent brianna taylor who was uh shot and killed by kentucky police in her louisville home uh they blindly fired into her house and killed brianna taylor later to find that they were in the wrong home and the suspect they had been searching for was already in custody uh, this woman was on her way to do some significant and amazing things in the health sector in America and these police officers in their no knock policy blazed through her door firing multiple shots and took this young lady's life shocking Devastating. black America has peacefully protest we sat and we were still persecuted we kneeled we were still persecuted and mm. we've attended the halls of Congress yelling, screaming, saying that you are you have to do something with law enforcement. They are killing our men. They're killing our young men. And they still didn't listen when no one listens. I mean, I have a six year old. I mean, I can remember vividly when she was two and three and four. <laughs> but if I if she couldn't get my attention. She found a way to get my attention. <laughs> and I'm sure you can relate. <laughs> but, you yeah, know, yeah. When those two-year-olds and three-year-olds are ignored, they will rain havoc. You know, if it's, if it's just not on the senses, it's on the ears at least. But these people <laughs> have finally said enough is enough. Literally, no justice, no peace. And the president finally came out when he realized that the real estate and property was being damaged. Then he had something to say. And what was what was damning rather than comf comforting the people and saying, you know what, calm down. Uh, I got this under control. I'm going to send in the FBI and my top uh, officials. The trust even from the top is lacking because he could not uh, he could not say that he didn't have any real compassion to calm the public but instead he says if you sh if you loot we shoot and that goes mm -hmm. back to a, uh, a very controversial 1965 statement in florida when governor wallace was running for uh president i believe i may i may have the names wrong but this was a very racial racial motivated and um and controversial statement back in 1965. So when you say things like this, you only infuriate the public more. And mm. uh, you have a now you have a cacistocracy. I mentioned cacistocracy several times, but you literally have a cacistocracy on your hands in, in the United States right now. Give us the definition, Donald, of a cacistocracy, because <laughs> well, I hadn't heard it so before you mentioned it. Here, I'll pull it up for you just so that I can get yep. the right definition, but it has to do something with the the citizens running amok in government. Uh, this It's a rule after uh, the government of a state by the worst citizens. So this government has turned oh. its citizens to a level where they're the worst. And you define mm. the worst citizens by what's happening right now riots mm. fires um buildings and businesses being destroyed but also the, the the inciting incident which was gross inequality as evidenced and manifested in the most 
just fatal, fatal way. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like the the lynchings have morphed into these this sort of thing. You know, it's just horrifying. So, what's your what do we what do we? So we got to listen. We've got to be. We've got to all kind of join arms, and it not it's not just a black a case that. African Americans can fight alone or should fight alone because there are so many people now I think that have perhaps had their blinkers on before because they didn't see what we can now see with high definition vision of camera footage and it's right before your eyes and if you're going to deny that or if that doesn't move you to do something then you're then, part of the problem. Yeah, it's not, well you're part of the problem and you're probably missing some sort of chip in in your system that it mm-hmm. that, that you know it speaks to your humanity I would say. I mean like when you see uh, Dylan Roof, I don't know if you remember Dylan Roof. In 2014, this young man went into a church in Charleston. He sat down amongst the parishioners. They smiled at him and, you know, prayed. And then he pulls out his assault weapon and kills nine black parishioners mm. in the Charleston church. Instead of the police coming in, guns blazing, they detained him. And then on the way to take him to jail, They stopped by Burger King and fed him. So when you see these different Mm. levels of justice being applied uh, with with your white counterpart and your black counterpart, you realize that maybe my life doesn't matter. When I reflect and I close my eyes, I can easily see myself on the ground with that man's knee in my neck. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how could I live? Could I move my neck and try to put my head under the car so that at least he couldn't put his his knee in my neck with with my with handcuffs on and two other men on my legs and holding me down? How could I have survived that? How could I have moved moved away from that that torture? How? Mm. And. Oh. And it's not even something that you should have to think about because, you know, on the isn't it true on the side of police cars it says serve and protect? Isn't that their guiding mission as police that that's what they're to do in America and in all? In, and I'm sure there are you just it would be a very tough job to be a police officer, especially in America where so many people do carry weapons. But that is just doubt and out premeditated. I think you need to know what he's doing. As you said, he's casually got his hands in his pockets, but we're not here to be the judge and jury on that. (laughs) You know, I think that it's sort of helpful for me to at least talk to you about it because it's very hard to know how to even start with this stuff. Like it's, it's just mind boggling. And, and the Amy Cooper, that the the dog incident (laughs) in Central Park, obviously the consequences of that were, were nothing. and, And the man, I can't remember his name, but his name the, was Cooper as well, right? Yeah, Christian, maybe Christian Cooper. Um, Christian Cooper. And um, he had such grace in, in in handling that situation. And even when she's now lost her job and her dog and probably everything else, he's he's called for, I suppose, some compassion or something. Anyway, he, he hasn't been out there with the sort of the pitchforks is kind of what I'm saying. It's sort of he let it, he let it speak for itself and rightly so she was completely piled on for that behavior. But it just begs the question how much goes on behind closed doors that we don't see. Like if that officer behaved that way in full view of a public and somebody recording very obviously what was happening. Imagine what he imagine what people have experienced behind closed doors in his 
interrogation rooms or what have you. It's just mind-boggling. Yeah, it's he, shocking. He was a uh, security guard with uh, George Floyd at the uh, place of at, mm. at their business. You know, so you know there are a lot of questions that come up with that. And then there was a there was a, a female officer who followed uh, followed walked into a man's apartment. She thought it was her apartment in Texas, and she pulled her out her weapon and just started shooting him. Another uh, another black man and killed him. And the brother of that, during the trial, the brother of that victim forgave the woman in court. And that is an often, that's a trend that African-Americans have done. You know, uh, my brother was murdered. And uh, yeah, he was murdered. Uh, He died on his knees. I wonder if he called for my mother. But I think. um, Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yeah, but. In America, you know, gun that's you know, gun violence in America. But do you want to talk about that at all? No, nah, on- not right now. I can't. Okay. I mean, I, no, I all of this, I've kind of just been. It's been. It's yeah. been really bothering me. But I will. I, I will. I promise the audience. I will have that discussion with you about my brother. Yeah. Um, I, I will do that. That's a promise. But in this case, mm-hmm. we constantly forgive. We constantly open our arms and say, you know what. Because African Americans, uh, by and large, are Christians and uh, have this forgiving heart to say, you know what? Yeah, you took my brother away. Yeah, you took my my sister away. Yeah, you you you, know, you murdered such and such in cold blood. Yeah, you planted the evidence on this man who served thirty years and and he came out and he forgave you. But it's those days, I believe, with George Floyd, are over. Those. Days of just brushing it off as another life and forgiving are over. It's time for something change. And that justice includes officers uh, having policies that restrict them from uh, doing some of the things that they do. Uh, There's a culture in in law enforcement where officers, especially in Minneapolis, fellow officers are are restrained from stopping their, their, their colleague from administering this injustice because if if his if his colleagues were to say tap him on the shoulder and say hey mate get up you know we need to well i think one of them was trying to do that i i I read some it was either a a, you know like a first responder or i don't know if it was one of the police officers themselves but it was certainly somebody in that capacity saying hey i think you better let up in not in those words but those police were ignored as well. So like you said, perhaps they, they were stopped from doing that for, for some archaic law or the governing how they operate in, on the beat. I don't know. But yeah, and I heard people say, why didn't the bystanders just like push them off? Because it would have been suicide. Yeah, oh, I said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was kind of like, God, oh, put down the phone and just get the guy up on his feet, for God's sake. But you quite rightly said you'd end up with a bullet in your chest if you did that, especially if you happen to be a black person standing there. That's right. Wow. Yeah, it's shocking. So basically, Killer Mike, I mean, I guess just to end on some sort of what a constructive note, not a positive note, because I don't think there needs to be a positive out of this at all. I think it's more about where to from here. Like Killer Mike was saying in his talk that people need to register for the census yeah, and so that they they can be more easily um i suppose contacted by the naacp or, or are you talking about yeah um, are you yeah talking? well he was sort of saying 
And I guess for the voting oh, and, yeah. to, and to, to go and beat up your, I mean, you meant it figuratively, but going, going and, and having that conversation, basically, you know, a heated conversation with your, with your representative member, politician and change, make sure that there's, there's changes to the prosecutor. And I guess all that does require a sophist- level of sophistication in terms of, as you said, these young kids that have, have just given up on a peaceful, peaceful movement. And they think that the older guys are all just showing too much deference and, and everything else. But somehow or other, those those young ones need to be talked to. And maybe it is a killer mic, you know, somebody who has respect and can talk, trying to guide what's next rather than, as he said, burn the place down. Well, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. I mean, Killer Mike has, um, he's okay. He's financially okay. He can, mm. uh, when he leaves, he's going to get in his car. He may have a security detail. Uh, he has businesses. Financially, economically, Killer Mike is cool. But, you know, what about the, the folks on the ground mm. that have nothing, Diana? I mean, like you said before, I mean, they are hopeless. They have nothing at least they have mm-hmm. their dignity and they can fight for their life or the life of their children coming up. This is their movement. And I think the killer mics of the world and, and everyone else need to get down on the ground and not behind the mic and uh, and talk these things. They need to get out there amongst the people and see if they can uh, organize and rally during the day. Pull them together. We're meeting at eight at such and such pizza on me. I don't know. But you can't just tell people from the mic and the comfort of your secured dwelling that this is what you need to do. No, you need to get out and actually get on the feet, beat the pavement and community organize. Get these people before the sun goes down and get them in a facility and say, let's do something about this. Not only let's do something about this, but here is the plan. Uh, There are a lot of people that say, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. You're not connecting with them. They're on the street right now. They're not listening to your interview. They're not uh, following Mm -hmm. Killer Mike and taking advice from Killer Mike. Uh, Killer Mike (laughs) wasn't involved with watching this man die on the street. He wasn't out there protesting. Killer Mike is comfortably comfortably tapping into CNN and the media because he has a platform there. Like right here, we have a platform on Greenland. You know, I can easily say, okay, people from Australia, I can easily say, (laughs) all right, uh, come, let's let's not uh, get angry and uh, um, let's reorganize and plan and plot. No, you can't do it that way. Get up, out, Mike, killer Mike. Get out there and actually sit, get with these young people if you're bold enough to get out there and talk to them and come up with a plan. You know, don't tell them from the comfort of your secure dwelling. Get out there. Get on the street, activist. You know, show them a different way. Don't just preach from them from your 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 pulpit. You know, yeah, yeah. great speeches, moving. But the mm. folks out there that are setting the police precincts on fire, they're not um, they're not yeah. tuning in to CNN's uh, latest update. No, it's good. It's good for you to give me that. Um, slap down on my praise for Killer Mike because I don't know the context of that and and you're right everything you said is, is completely right and and that's where I think it helps to have these discussions because you know you don't know what you don't know and I, and I think you're completely right it's it's all very well to sort of sit and pontificate about it 
You know, I got a, I got oh, a, listen. I got a message from an indigenous person in the Northern Territory after my interview on the ABC. And he really came after me and he said, Australia's not doing, it's not, you can't give Australia the, all the praise that you're giving because I said, Australia's doing something about it. They have a royal commission. They're, you know, they're looking into these deaths, these black deaths in custody in, in Australia. And he was just really um, upset about that. And again, I'm from, I'm speaking from a secure location, uh, broadcasting over the air, and I can say things and, and be you know misunderstood. Whereas if I was there on the ground meeting with those people that are, are watching their loved ones and their neighbors uh, die at the hands of police, I would have a better understanding. I would feel their pain a little bit more. Uh, but I don't have that that uh, that reach and that capacity. I can only go based off of what I know and what I read. In this mm-hmm. case, we can only go based off of what we watch, but we don't know the pain that these people are going through. And I revis- every morning I wake up and I see George Floyd in my head. Every morning from, uh, from Memorial Day to today, I revisit that. I wish I hadn't have, hadn't have watched that video. It's I'm, I'm a strong person mentally and it hasn't done any mental illness and mental damage to me, but it, it plays on my mind. And I, I really did not need that in my spirit. I really did not. Mm. So I can only imagine what's happening there in America. I can feel the pain. I know it. I, know, I can. It's unbelievable. It's, it's devastating. It's just uh, it's our reality. That's what it is, Diana. It's the reality for African-Americans and people of color. Mm. That's awful. And and thank you for sharing your insights, Donald, because I know it's a very – I mean, I feel, as I said, I feel upset by it and I feel like, God, you know, just I've got no – well, I, I'm human and I and I think anyone that's human can can look at that and feel affected by it. And, you know, I just – I don't know. I, I want to do what I can. I don't know what I can do, but I just – you're, you're, you're doing yeah. it right now. And you know what? You have yeah. – I mean, we're look, we're connected. And we're, we are, yeah. we're the Greenland family. You know, so <laughs> yeah, that's right. Of course, you have a connection to all of this, and the fact that you yes. uh, have voiced your um, dissatisfaction with it—it's it, moving. And uh, mm. and people, you know, people have asked. I wonder how the rest of the world is feeling about this. And you have mm. told the rest of the world exactly how you feel about this, mm. and that's important. Mm. So thank you, yeah. Diana. Thanks, Donald. Thank you. so much for listening to us today on Greenland. If you'd like to become a Greenlander, visit greenlandthepodcast.com and follow the links to subscribe. We'd also really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on your chosen podcast listening app. Um, That really helps us to kind of percolate to the top and to also get a nice little bit of feedback from you guys. If you'd like to send us an email, you'll find uh, links to contact us on our webpage as well. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. (music) 